yoga teachers, mindfulness leaders, and energy workers. Are you ready to stop side hustling and start making an income doing what you love? Welcome to the Marketing Off The Mat Podcast. Each week, your host, Jessica Cross, dives into conversations with successful creatives in wellness, business, marketing, and more to uncover practical methods to take your business from A to B and have some fun along the way. Grab some tea and pull up a seat. Let's dive into this episode. Welcome back to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. This is Jess, your host, and I have Laura Hyman on the podcast today. She is an incredible human. She's the founder of The Lit Method, and she continues to share her incredible knowledge through her PT training, through her post-grad certifications and neural development training and recovering function organization through Stanford in her trainings and her work. It's so, so good, you guys. Like She shares so deeply from the anatomy side of things, how we can bring that into our practice as teachers and as, as in students. And then she also shares deeply in creating her own signature program, which is the Lit Method that has rolled out into teacher trainings, online studios, in-person studios, and so much more. So she shares deeply on her journey and how she brought those things into the world and also shares a ton of incredible tips and wisdom from her journey. I'm just so glad that you get to be here with us for this chat today. So let's dive in. Hey, Laura, how are you? I'm great. So happy to be on here, Jessica. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're here too. Thank you for saying yes. (laughs) Thank you for hanging out with me. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I look forward to it. Okay, so we heard a little bit about you in the intro, but I'm sure that just scratches the surface. So I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about your career journey and I'm a lot all the twists and turns that you feel like sharing with us and kind of how that brought you to today. Sure. I mean, um, my journey is probably similar to other people's in that I discovered yoga um, a little haphazardly, but it I had already been very interested and really almost addicted to movement since I was a young kid. I just always loved it. I have talked before. I I grew up with um, three brothers. I'm a triplet. I have two brothers my age. They're identical and then me. And so I was always just kind of part of this pack and, and the way we grew up and engaged and really got to know each other and have fun together is through movement. So I was always always a big mover and lover of movement. It felt so good to um, kind of test my limits. And so I went into college with the idea that I would become uh, a neurosurgeon. I was really interested also in the brain. And I lasted about a week in pre-med. My dad is an orthopedic surgeon. I remember calling him and I was like, I don't think this is my jam. Like, I don't think this is going to be a fun college experience for me. And he's like, have fun. You know, you, you, you know, this is a lifestyle that's really rough. And so I knew I wanted to be in healthcare and wellness in some form and, and just kind of follow that North star and eventually um, decided to go to grad school for physical therapy. And after physical therapy, I moved up to North uh, the Northeast in New Jersey and was in a runner's club. And in that runner's club, they offered us yoga. So I just thought it was like, oh, stretching, meditating, stuff like that. And happens to it happened to be like a power yoga. And I really loved the way it made me feel. It made me really feel in my body, very powerful, moving in in different ways. Um, 
that reminded me of my years in dance. And so I, I think like many people, I loved it and I wanted to teach it. I wanted to, I was, maybe not everybody wants to teach it, but I was already a kind of a fitness instructor. I also in, in college um, made money by teaching aerobics and then went on to become a spin instructor and a step, see, I was teaching step aerobics. This is really dating me. But um, so I definitely wa wanted to incorporate that in my teaching. I wanted to teach this this new kind of magical movement um, form that really just made me feel so alive um, in so many ways, uh, like running or, or like dance. And at the time there wasn't a lot of yoga around, which is kind of even hard to imagine, but this was 27 years ago. And I really taught myself a lot by reading, watching videos and, and delving into it. And so I did that for a bit and was teaching more what, what we would label it um, more classical vinyasa, this kind of systematic way of, you know, doing, you know, doing sun salutations and doing standing poses and then doing all this stuff. And I did that for about four or five years, but I'm all, I've always been a little bit of a rebel. Like I'd never like to stay in a box. So I really, I was always kind of like, why are we doing this in this particular way? Like it, I intuitively it didn't make sense. And then when I layered on my physical therapy understanding of the body, um, some of it really didn't make sense to me. So I started to incorporate some things that I was doing with very involved neurological clients. I had gone back and gotten um, a postgraduate specialization in neurology and neurological rehab. And a lot of that is, is really brain mapping. It's, it's rewiring either an area that's been injured or in our case, able-bodied people rewiring our patterns that aren't necessarily injuring us right away, but might not be optimizing our movement and our energetic experience. So I started implementing some of those techniques that I was using in my, with my neurological rehab clients. And it just brought a new layer to my own practice and curiosity. I think that's all I'm always inspired by, by the why. Um, so I was always when somebody that would want to know why I don't like to be told to do something and not really understand why. Um, and I think that's really important in our society, you know, not just in on the mat, but in life um, to just have the discernment of, of, you know, really investigating why we're doing things. And I think that's what really was the um, kind of the fertilizer for my my lit method is is this uncovering. Why are we doing this a certain way? Why are why is the directive to put your foot here, put your foot here and everybody should follow that? Um, when it doesn't make sense for many bodies, you know, so that's kind of like the background and, and people really, I think intuitively loved that. Some people like not having any questions at all, but most people, um, want to know more. They want to understand why they want to be, because understanding the why is ultimately empowerment. Um, you're not empowered when you're told to do something and you just do it. And you don't think um, about if it works for you or if it's like the most, you know, the po most positive um, kind of choice you could make. And so I, I definitely appeal to those kind of people who already have that. But then ultimately, when I developed my teacher training and opened up a yoga studio, so I started doing all of these things and seeing that there was a need for it. And that is really what directed my path. I did not go out and be like, 
here are my 10-year goals. I'm going to open a studio. I'm going to create a teacher training. I'm going to eventually take this out into the world. It was really like filling a need and just being a enough of a pioneer to, to be really clear, like no matter what friction I might encounter, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to continue to ask those questions. Mm, oh, that's so good. I, I think, uh, wow. I resonated so much with a lot of what you said too. I think, um, you know, as, as yoga practitioners, there isn't always this clear understanding of the why, like, okay, you know, why do I put my foot here? And then, you know, why do I do a sun salutation this way and that? And like you said, some people don't mind that's okay with them, but for the person, I, and I'm, I'm one of these people too. I'm like, I want to know why <laughs> tell me more. And yeah. you know, you know, that in vinyasa just means to place in a specific way. It doesn't mean this, you know, lovely sun salutation that we've all come to know and love in our, you know, favorite vinyasa classes. And so I'm, I'm just glad that there's people like you who say, okay, I have these questions. I, I'm going to answer them for myself and I'm going to help other people understand the answers too through these methods. Yeah. And anytime you, you know, you start, <laughs> you have to be ready when you start questioning something, because to do that absolutely means that you then need to understand the how, you know, it's like, you want to know the why, because that's informative. And so what I did with that, and fortunately I had the background knowledge to really um, delve into it. So it's like, well, how do we change this so that it is more suitable for multiple uh, populations of people, not just people who happen to fit into this box. And, you know, that is a, that's another layer itself is like really um, teaching about the body. And, and that's really my goal is no matter who you are, you're living in a body. That's like, that's an irrefutable fact. We might have different backgrounds. We might have different histories. We might have different thoughts and beliefs about life in general, but we can't ever debate the fact that we all have this body that we're walking around in. And funny enough, we, we learn very little about our body growing up, you know, um, school isn't really teaching us that we don't have functional anatomy lessons. We don't have biomechanic lessons. It's like having sex ed is like this, you know, little thing we giggle about. And it's like all of these things are so essential because it's everyone has a body and everyone is going to hopefully be moving in this body for many, many years. And I think it's just uh, as a teacher, my mission is to really open up the dialogue for people to feel comfortable learning about their body. And and that is proven to be the, really one of the most powerful tools that I think I've, I've given people is just an understanding of this amazing vehicle that is, is taking us through life. Mm, that's so good. And, and as you said, discernment and empowerment are kind of hand in hand when you really understand yourself as a person and then, you know, rolling that out into a teaching environment. And, you know, I love that you said you didn't have this 10 year plan. You didn't have this like you know, where do you see yourself in five years, Laura? Like you, <laughs> <laughs> you have those questions that, you know, ba basically informed a need for not only yourself, but the yoga community as a whole. And so you came up with these teacher trainings, which, you know, I think is, and more, by the way, like your lit program is, you know, really comprehensive in all these other ways that you're serving. And, you know, I just love that you saw what was needed and, and basically like, you know, offered a solution. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, 
kind of what came next when you saw the solution, you're like, I need to build something. How yeah. do I, how did you go forward? Well, I really started, it was like a kind of cook in the kitchen. I had a small uh, group of private clients that I was working with. So I had been in a PT clinical setting and then I had my daughter and I decided to not go back to the clinical setting, but to just do privates and then do some private yoga. But I had not anticipated that would eventually become the much bigger um, part of my professional life. And I just started experimenting with them thinking again, like how, so if we're going to infuse these yoga poses in a movement practice, how do we best prepare the body for that? And that breaks down to, again, going back to these neurological principles of the developmental um, sequences that we all go through in our formative years. Once we've come out of the uterus, um, we have to get ourselves up to being bipedal on two feet. And we're floppy little, we're floppy babies until then. So everything we do, movement actually is what grows the brain. Movement actually is what grows our breathing capacity. Movement is literally directing us forward in life. And so what I have wanted to do is take that wonderful capsule of our time, our timeline and continue it, continue to say, Let's continue to grow our brain. Let's continue to grow our experiences with our movements and not get stagnant in that. So I just, my, the mat for me is a creative place. Um, and I know that is my, that is my kind of creative genius. You know, uh, there's many things I can't do. That is where it's very intuitive for me. I, I'm always thinking of ways to improve mobility and the joints um, that really need it, stability in the joints that need it. Um, this cohesive stability, dynamic mobility to create a better and more fluid way of moving, which we translate in yoga to meaning flexibility. So I just started doing that with clients and they loved it. They, I mean, the changes they made were just exponential in this short amount of time. And I realized I really need to share this. So I, whenever you, whenever you kind of create something, especially for marketing purposes, especially for brand purposes, especially for just creating something, you have to codify it to then be able to share it, to be able to teach it and make it teachable to others. So that's what I spent um, a few years doing is really codifying in a way that could be a teacher training program. I realized I wanted to be a, a, an ally for teachers because so at this time, this was in like, you know, 2010, so many teacher training programs were out there and like, that's wonderful, but a lot of them were subpar, you know, in terms of preparing the teacher, you would never like have a person go and teach 11th grade biology, unless you really, really fortify their background and gave them all this knowledge and not just like sent them out to mimic some video that they watched. And that is essentially what a lot of these programs were doing was just creating kind of a mimicry, um, of course, layers of philosophy and history, but in terms of the practice of actually the art of teaching, I feel like that was really lacking. Um, and so I wanted to make a robust program that really helped people become actual educators. 
I think not only is that important for the person who's teaching, but it's important for the person who's teaching who wants to do this as a career. Because yoga teachers, I mean, that's a whole, you know, this is all, there's a lot to be said here, but yoga teachers, majority of them um, cannot just teach yoga as their primary career. It's not sustainable. It's not financially solvent enough. But I feel like I've in, in kind of redefining how we teach yoga, I'm also trying to redefine that this is a possible uh, avenue for, for really being your full-time thing. And you, the only way you can do that, though, is be very gifted and very skilled and very knowledgeable so that you can meet the needs of multiple, multiple types of populations and have private clients. So I created that. I had the studio. And then I would get people who would come from out of town, from out of the country. And it just became this growing need that I needed to expand beyond that. Um, so I started doing more international things. I was doing retreats and workshops. And then I decided to do my online platform called the Lit Daily. And then eventually the online trainings. And we have a level one and level two now. And so once I just opened it up to not just kind of a local or you know state um, type thing that you could access. It really, um, it really grew. And it, it just kept confirming to me when I saw that more and more people came to it, that this is a need, this is a need and people have the desire and it fills them up. It changes them. They, they feel better about themselves. They feel, um, their own practice is powerful and transformative, and then they can really translate that into, to teaching from this very skilled place. Yeah. And I, I love how you talked about like your creative juice basically is born on the mat. And we kind of came full circle too, because that's what you're, you're teaching our teachers and, and, you know, serious practitioners alike who want to understand the, their bodies through yoga. And so they're taking your program that you've developed with all of your experience and your training and your degrees and all the stuff. And they're actually getting to bring it onto their mat and it ripples out into their students and further, which I just think is the coolest thing. So cool. It is, it is magnificent to see. And really it's to have a method that is, that is, is, is so solid that it actually um, doesn't make a ton of, you know, a thousand Laura's it makes people empowered. And then they, even those who are like, I can never be as creative as you you know, will write me and they're like, oh my gosh, the, you know, the ideas are flowing. Cause again, we can be creative from structure, not from chaos. And so what I'm doing is giving them a ton of structure and foundation. And then that allows, that allows that intuitive creativity uh, to come forward. And it's, it's just amazing to see because that was, you know, early on, some people, we're like, Laura, but how, you know, are they just going to want to, they're just going to teach like you and they'll never be able to kind of teach on their own because you're just like this creative genius. And I'm like, I can be creative because I have a plan. I have, there is a, there is a, there's a blueprint, there's a method to it. And this is what people don't always honor. And it's very true in the body too. Structure is what gives you freedom. You will not get freedom by just walking in a room and having nothing structured about it. You know, I often say like a room is has space in it because it has the walls, it has the floor. Otherwise it's just, you know, air. We have space when we have the structure 
and we feel really clear in that foundation. And that has really translated. And that's to me, um, I never doubted it, but that when people would bring that up, I thought, well, okay, at the very least they're getting educated and they'll just teach my classes. Okay. But I knew in my mind, I'm like, they're going to be able to do this, you know, cause I'm going to give them the tools. And it, it, it really, that is one of the things I'm most proud about is really being um, someone who's teaching people to teach, but also to create and to make it and specific for what they're doing. So I have people who are teaching seniors. I have people who are teaching professional soccer players. I have people who are teaching mixed levels. I have people who are teaching corporate. Um, they can go into any population and then they have the skills to make the classes, make the, you know, educational um, lessons according to what the needs are of the people in front of them. And how powerful just to be able to walk in. You mentioned a mixed class. Like I often teach a lot of, you know, we call it all levels, but yeah. the hardest <laughs> right. to teach, by the way, right? it's the hardest. <laughs> it so is because you yeah. just don't know who's going to walk through the door. And I think especially for newer teachers, that's really frightening. You, you plan, you know, maybe you over plan a little bit. You have this like perfect sequence, quote unquote, ready to go. And then you see somebody come in who's, you know, that's an exact contraindication for and you're like, yeah. what do I do? Yeah. So from your program, you've empowered these teachers to be able to be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to take this and adjust it just a bit. And it doesn't, you know, it's not teaching your classes specifically always. It's taking the knowledge from all of the training that you've provided and, you know, making it part of them, which is yeah, so exactly, cool. Exactly. Yeah, and, so cool. and it is, I mean, again, when you have like some kind of method to it, because in a mixed class, you want to be able to serve everybody. So you want to be able to that advanced person in the back who's like, give me more to the person who's struggling. And you'd want them to feel successful. You know, my goal is to always, and success is not measured why if you can do it. It's, are you willing to try these things and then, and feel like you've been guided well, that is success. It's not people that are not going to come back to your class have not felt seen um, and they haven't felt like they've been kind of catered to. And, and really, as a teacher, we have to, it's challenging. And at our studio, we had levels. And I always loved that um, because, and I would say, it's not, you aren't a level, but this is what you can expect in this class. So it gives you more of a framework. And then if somebody said, oh, can I go to this class? It's a level two, but I've never done yoga at all before. You can say, listen, this is probably going to be challenging for you. Take breaks when you need to. It is a level two, which just means that here are the things that you're going to see in the class, but it isn't about you being a level or not. Um, some people don't like that. Some people like all levels. We don't, we offer all levels as well, but I always tell people those are just the most challenging. Like when I go and I teach, I taught at a festival and it was, um, you know, there's a hundred some people in the room Mint, like so many different levels. My, my neurons are sparked. I am like, um, and you know, fortunately I have some teachers with me to assist and stuff, but it is the most challenging class to teach because I really, really have such a drive to make sure everybody in there feels good and feels like it has, it, it is a practice that has served them. Yeah. I, I, I so agree. That's, that's when you're like most engaged, you know, you've got eyes in the back of your head. <laughs> yeah, I was my, my teachers are in my class, which I get a lot of teachers. 
I'm like, I could drink a cup of coffee because you got like, there's so, you know, a lot of it is just the uh, repetition and the knowledge and the like clear pathway to, to being able to somatically interpret what is being told to you. And that is a, that is just, that's like its own form of intelligence. So if you haven't been exposed to it, it's just going to be slower. It's like, a kindergartner learning to read, it's going to be slow, slow, slow. It doesn't mean that the brain capacity isn't there. It's the same. It's just starting at a different level. And so that's what we have. So a lot of times my, when my teacher comes and she assists me, she's like, Laura, this needs to be like a third grade level today. Okay. Cause I, you know, like in terms of the, 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 um, speed of the class, the offerings, it just needs to, and, and, it's really true because people just need more time. If people think a class is too fast, now there are certainly lots of vinyasa classes that are too fast, but if they think one of my classes is too fast and I know it's not, what I know is that it's fast for them because they're at this, they're they're interpreting it somatically at this, you know, kind of speed. And I'm talking a little faster than that. And it's just, it feels fast. At a certain point when you are really, really embodied you're going, it movement is fluid. And then in that fluidity, this, it doesn't matter if you're going slow or fast, you're, you're going to be able to make those micro adjustments. Yeah. And that takes time. It just, takes yeah. Time. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like for the, the practitioner, it takes time. It, and, you know, for the teachers, it also takes time. It's, you know, I think I really feel for folks that are coming out of, you know, their first training and that kind of in between where they're like, I don't know enough but I know a lot and I need to teach, but I'm afraid and because of these situations. Cause they're like, they're just really starting to navigate this stuff. So if you're listening and you're like, wow, this like sound like sounds incredible. Like I really want to get to that place. It just takes time. It does. It does. And you know um, you know, the best thing you can do is a get the knowledge, have the wisdom, and then you have to practice it. Right. You have, like you said, it's practice of anything. Um, I've recorded thousands of classes. So people are like, oh my God, you're so at ease in front of the camera. Of course, I've done it thousands of times. I better be pretty, you know, that's the only reason. It's not like I was naturally more than someone else, but it's just everything that you need, that you want to be. And and it's just, that becomes that kind of um, more automatic um, manifestation of whatever it is, whether it's speaking a language or teaching or practicing, it's all got to be repetition is, is the key. It really is the key. You have to be consistent and you have to repeat. Yeah. I, and I love what you said, uh, you know, specifically for our practice, but I think that goes to our business too. And we're you know starting to create content, and, you know, it feels like unfamiliar and hard. And, you know, you look at what you put out and you're like, Oh, like, I don't know about this, but like, if you stopped right then you stop the learning basically. And you get better. As you're saying, you teach thousands of classes in front of a camera, you're going to get good at it. (laughs) It's it's really a numbers game. So, so tell us a little bit about, you know, if you're, if you're listening right now, like what kind of tips would you offer to somebody who's looking to create their signature program? Like what, what would you offer to them as they're getting started? Well, I think that it is just an endemic in every part of our world that we, that something should happen quickly. 
this this kind of um, very, you know, we, this need for instant gratification. We can't help it. It's been like sold to us. So the first thing I would say is really, really dig deep and cultivate patience. Um, it is so important, whatever you're doing, to feel incredibly passionate about it, incredibly clear about it, and so committed to it that you're going to connect dots. And I often will tell my teachers, you have to think of this as compound interest. And I say this to my clients who are like, oh my God, I've had this bad posture for 40 years. How am I ever going to change it? Because boy, is that a defeatist idea? Like you're, yeah, you've had it 40 years. Okay, well, here's the thing. Like a little investment every day, that will grow into this compound interest. And you're going to look back and you will have, you will at some point almost forget this point. It is better to be there and forget this point than to be at the start and always thinking about like getting to the big, you know, big stage. I just think it's so important to have your goals be that you show up and that you're committed and that you're going to continue whatever it is, um, learning about this, hiring somebody for this over and over again and dig in. It is hard work. It is good work because you're, you know, my biggest problem is I don't look at, I don't feel like it's work. So I can't always turn it off. And that's like that you're in the path if that's the issue. But to be thinking about this, I want to be like this. I want to be like that. That's wonderful to have these kind of aspiring, inspiring people. But you, I think it. so many people are deterred by not getting something quickly. And it's very unlikely anything will happen quickly. But it's very likely you will get to a like a, an amazing point if you work hard and you're committed and you're like, again, showing up, showing up, showing up, something's not working. Have that inquiry. Like, why isn't this working? Am I like, I always come back to this. Am I serving my clients, my teachers? It's not about serving me or my ego. It's really like, so there's, I, I remember when I, this is an example, when I first got on Instagram and I was looking around, it's like, this was probably seven years ago. I think I started on Instagram. Everybody, all the yogis were like doing these flows, tons of inversions, tons of this. It was all about the advancedness of it. And I remember looking at it from an outsider who could, by the way, do those things and thinking this looks very performative. And like, what's the point of this? Is it just to kind of show people, you know, what you're doing or that you're gifted at this, or you've worked really hard. I mean, there could be some really great value to it, but it wasn't clear. And I think that's a really good example. It's that no longer, like you don't see that on Instagram now. Like people want education. They want simplicity. They want something. How is this relatable to me? And I would say seven years ago, I was already, and some of it might've been my age. Some of it might've been, it just didn't feel right for me. Like, oh, let me just show you what I can do, blah, blah, blah. Because uh, who is that serving? It, it really isn't serving that many people. It might occasionally people would say, oh, it's really inspiring to see that you can do a handstand. And, and I think like intellectually, or maybe just like subliminally, they were thinking she must know what she's talking about because she can do an advanced pose. So it might lend some credibility to you, but for the most part, it's not serving people. So always go back to your why. Like if you're getting into something that is ultimately teaching, educating, if you're teaching yoga, then why are you doing it? 
you know? So I am very clear. I am doing this because I have a passion to help people feel their best because if they feel good in their body, they're going to have a fighting chance to feel better in their life and their spirit, in their mood and their behavior and their choices. I know that to be true. That is like our body is, is so significant in that way and how we move it, uh, how we care for it is. That is to me, like nothing gives me more pleasure than hearing that I have done that. It's not that, you know, I like I'm doing it myself, you know, it's, it's just, I'm serving people through education. So get really clear on your why and then just work hard at it. And, um, ask questions, ask for help, all, all of the things. Um, but you know, it's, it's good to have a, an idea, but also there's, I, I call it like a gentle rigidity. Like I can be rigid in that. I really think this is a great form of yoga and all this stuff, but I, I can't be completely committed to that because it might not be for everybody. And so there's a gentleness, like I have to allow some, you know, flux with it. And so I think we can have, be committed, but also, um, have a softness to that. Mm, yeah, that's so good. And I just, I love that the gentle rigidity and the, and they just keep showing up and just like pushing the needle just a little bit every single day. And the compound interest of that is, you know, you know, immeasurable really. Like you'll just look back as you're saying, you might even forget how you felt when you you're like, Oh, I really wish I had that program or wanted to start the podcast or whatever it is. And you'll look back, you know, days, months, years, and see just how far you've come because you chose to keep showing up. So good. And the other piece of advice with that is that you can be like, I'm very clear I'm of service, but I also cannot be attached to how that is you know, accepted by somebody or received by somebody. Meaning I have more teachers that come and say, you know, we always think of the one out of the hundred, the one person who walks out and is like, I can't stand what you're doing. And they were just consumed with that. And I have learned some of this is age and time. You are not going to, you're not going to capture everybody. I'm not my, I'm serving that person by showing them something they're not interested in. And I cannot be consumed or hurt or whatever by, by the way somebody responds, right? I, and that's what, that's what really being of service, I'm giving something and I'm not attached to how someone likes it or not. And this is really hard. And this is what I hear from my teachers the most. They'll be doing great. They'll be doing great. And they're like, oh my God. And somebody, you know, left halfway through the class or something. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's, that's to me, it says a lot more about the person and we don't know what they're going through. We, they could have left for so many reasons. Do not get like deterred or, you know, like I, I like to say, I'm not, I'm, I'm equally not swayed by high, high accolades or somebody not liking it. Right. You just, if you're happy with yourself and what you're doing, these are wonderful to have people like what you're doing, but you also are going to, you're going to be fine when people aren't. It's just, you have to be super, super solid with yourself. And that's why I think this, whatever you're doing in the form of yoga is ultimately discovering more about you. And that's really when you know you're, you're really in it for this, like, fullness of it for the enrichment of the the personal practice for the professional reasons, but that at the same time, you're growing yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, the, and that's, I mean, I think forever work. Especially, yeah, we're, yeah. yeah. By the way, we're never done with that. We're never done, which is kind of like the best <laughs> part. I, think. Like, I got it. No, because er, by the way, it's not like somebody not liking it isn't going to impact you. It's that you, the impact is felt and dispersed quicker. It's not stuck on you. You're not living in it and like thinking about it and you know, rehashing it in your head. It's that you feel it. Okay. And that's like, cause that's a memory. That's a memory of some, of something, mm-hmm. you know, something in your history makes you feel hurt when somebody doesn't like what you're doing or doesn't like you. And it's, it's just human, but it's the recover, like how quickly you recover because you're right. You're never done. Like we're human. We're going to have these moments, but how quickly can you get back on track and never lose that like, again, that North star, like I often say, if I know I'm never betraying myself, I know I'm on track. Mm, Okay. I'm not going to drop my mic, but I kind of want to, because that was so good. (laughs) 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 I I love, I just, I think that's like the biggest thing that we can attain as teachers, as business owners, you know, as women that Mm -hmm. we can be solid and steady no matter, you know, whose opinions or, you know, their whims, the the words they use in the review on your, you know, website or whatever it is, can neither sway you one way or the next. And, and as you said, it's like, we're still human and mm-hmm. that stuff can still land in a way that, you know, can feel, you know, a little triggering, whatever it is. But if you can move it through much much more quickly than you have in the past. Like that's progress. That's yes, like, absolutely. That's what I'm after. That's so good. So good. Yeah. So if you could go back at any point in your career, maybe even your personal life or, you know, any version of you and ask yourself or tell yourself rather something that would keep you from a few sleepless nights or a headache, what would it be? I think it would be, um, what basically what I just said, if you, if you don't betray yourself, you're going to question some things. You're going to question like the sleepless nights I usually have are about being multiple things, being a mother, being a wife, being a, you know, owner of a business, being a mentor to people all on and on and on. Um, I rarely have in the middle of the night business things but I do have, am I here enough for my family? And I think as wimp, so the thing I would say to myself early on is yes, always listen. That little thing in the middle of the night, maybe you do need to like check back in because your heart is part of that North star. It's part of it. And so in the middle of the night, usually the things you've been marinating on come out. And so the worst thoughts come up in the middle of the night. And then you wake up in the morning, you're like, actually, I'm a good mom. I'm a good parent. I'm a good wife. But this is just my reminder. Like they are, I I have to be there for them, number one. And so I think that women have been sold a shit ton of lies that we can do it all really well. We can do a lot. We can really be successful, but the the burden is on us 
you know, nobody's ever asking the dad or, you know, if you're, if you have two moms, you might have it differently. It might be the one who's working, whatever it is, the one who is working in a kind of designated job, even though I add, they're, they're going to somehow get a little bit of a break. You know, the expectation is not that they're going to be doing all the things for, you know, traditionally. Now these are changing, but it's still hanging around there. I have to say it. And it's really important for, especially, uh, I think women have carried that burden. Oh yeah, you can do this, but you're going to not do this very well. And the truth is it is really challenging to do it all well, all the time. So there is just allow the waves to happen. So if I've spent a lot of time creating something business-wise, and I feel like my heart's telling me, wow, you need to have a date night or you have to, whatever. My children usually get my, you know, it's usually the spouse. So it's like with my husband, ah, I got to make sure we have that lunch date or this dinner date or whatever. It's just continue to check in with those feelings because they're telling you something. But at the same time, don't admonish yourself. My God, society is admonishing you. Culturally, you're being admonished. Like, don't fall into that. Listen as with, again, a tenderness, like, wow, you're doing a lot. Just also give attention to this. It's okay to let this part take a backseat. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we work hard for a lot of reasons. And one of those big reasons, you know, is, is, you know, for the love and support of our loved ones and, you mm-hmm. know, supporting our families and, um, you know, being there when it matters and, uh, you know, for the lunch date or, you know, the school play or, or whatever it is. And I think time goes by a lot faster than we realize. Mm. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I remember being a kid and someone telling me it gets faster as you get older. And I, I didn't get it, but I get it now. <laughs> so we only have so many moments with those, with those precious, you know, precious ones in our life. And I love that you said that it's like, it's okay to let some things slide because society is going to remind us that we're failing pretty much at every turn. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. give yourself some grace. Yeah. Give yourself a lot of grace. And that's the other reason not to have this like kind of, you know, it, I think, again, it's fine to have visions, but not have a fixed idea of what success means. Or like, again, when we look at, cure, you know, these curated things and like this person's got doing it all. And it's like, it is just, you know, a blip. You're only seeing part of it and just be true to you. And so, uh, yeah, for me, it was always my family was first. And and that has made my path for sure a lot slower, perhaps, than it could have been. I don't know. It was just right for me. Um, because, and I see these people with young kids and they're like, I don't know how you're doing all you're doing. And I'm like, because I don't have young kids. <laughs> that, is, that is absolutely, I was I would never have made those choices when my kids were younger. Because I was, I was just in their, you know, daily routine life a lot more. I have a daughter in college. I have a son who's a rising senior in high school now. It's, uh, it's. There's a lot more space in my time and my schedule to do things um, because they're they're older. And so, just young moms, please, young dads, whoever is giving themselves a hard time, just uh, really settle in and enjoy because again you can have time to map out all this all the things for your career and as you said the times as the kids are growing up is really 
um, quick. But I will also say that don't feel like you can't do it because you have young, you know, young kids. You can do something because I think it's really, really important. And I know this is true for me to have something that was just mine, that was my individual creative outlet, my individual like work life and all of that. It it um made me a better mom, a better parent, a better spouse personally. Now some people don't might not feel like they need that. I definitely needed that. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely understand. And like I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying too is you know you know being okay with you know just showing up and continuing to do that. Cause if you have 30 minutes, that's you know way better than zero minutes. And oh, yeah. Yeah, like that stuff definitely adds up. It compounds, as you were saying. So, you know, you take as much space and as much rest as you need, spend as much time as you would like and is, you know, heart and soul filling with your family. And then, you know, if you're feeling that call, like give yourself that 30 minutes or in the first thing in the morning or at the end of your day, like however you can schedule it in and you'll notice a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that would be, something that has never um, been a problem for me, but I've seen this having taught so many women in particular. So I can only, and as a woman, I can only speak, but but um, who really have a lot of guilt over taking time for themselves. And it's like, you will be so better for everybody and yourself. If you, um, that is like a non-negotiable for me, that you do the things that fuel you and every day. And it, again, yeah, it doesn't have to be an hour, but it needs to be something that makes you feel whole. And because at the end of the day, you are only ultimately responsible for you. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's such great advice. Thank you for sharing that with us. So how can we find you? What are all the cool things that you have coming up? Because we want to hang out with you more. Oh, I love that. Um, Right as of now, we're starting our sixth cohort uh, of our level one training, and that's online. It's a 10 week program, and we have teachers from all over the world. It's amazing. And we run two of those a year. So we're run, this one starts mid September, which is probably around the time this is airing. Um, but don't, never fear, there's another one. And you can learn all about that on lityoga.com. Lit is L Y T yoga.com. Um, we also have an online platform and there's a couple of different choices for that. You could do our, just our most popular plan, which is the lit daily. And that's over 600 classes in our library with a daily class. Like if you don't want to think about, it's almost to mimic like a studio, you just turn it on and it's the class that we're, um, serving you up that day. And there's a lot of thought that goes into, you know, the class so that, you know, during the week, it has a nice uh, rhythm to it. But we also have live classes through our like kind of Zoom studio, which is our Lit Prime. And that's really wonderful because that's a great community. Then we get to see you and and cheer you on in your practice or make any kind of suggestions for um, your alignment and things like that. And you can also ask us questions. So we have those and that's you can also find that on the Lit Yoga I have a podcast called Redefining Yoga and we have over 600 episodes. It's like a lot of information. Um, so great. It has a lot of yoga, a lot of movement, PT, but a lot of lifestyle. It's it's really a lifestyle podcast. So there's like all kinds of um, in wonderful, wonderful, informative, um, helpful things on there. 
And yeah, and then I have a retreat coming up in March um, in Costa Rica, and we're hoping to add another one. And then we, I would just get on our newsletter. If you go to lityoga.com, get on our newsletter. We have a month, a weekly newsletter and just tells you all the happenings. It also has a PT corner in it where we like um, have great advice on different things from the multiple PTs that we had that have gone through the lit training. So that's really fun too, that we, we draw like yoga teachers, already existing yoga teachers, physical therapists, and then people who are neither, but really would like to teach um, this method. So then you can find me on Instagram at laura.hyman or lit yoga method is um, not laurahyman.com. It's laura.hyman and then lit yoga method. Those are our t- the brand and my personal IG account. Uh, amazing. We'll, we'll be sure to include all the links in the show notes so people can have those handy and yeah, go give Laura a follow, go check out the lit method. It's just incredible work. So, and I just want to say thank you again for being here today. It was so much fun chatting with you and I can't wait to share this episode. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you so much. It's always um, an honor to talk about this. And I, I really loved talking with you, Jessica. Thanks. Thank you. Wasn't that incredible? She is so awesome. I absolutely love Laura and I'm so glad that you got to sit with us for that chat. Go check out the show notes because I have all of the links to the offerings that Laura has coming up listed. Um, look for her level one training that's about to launch here in mid-September and all of the other stuff. If you want to work with Laura, there's so many opportunities from her online studio to retreats. All of that cool stuff is in the show notes and definitely go check out her podcast as well. She's got over 600 episodes, so go soak in her wisdom and you can go give her a follow on Instagram to stay connected. It's at laura.hyman.com and you can check out the lit yoga method as well on Instagram. So check out the notes for those links as well. So what do you think? Are you going to start your own signature program? Is that something that you've been thirsting for? Just remember, as we were talking about in this episode to just keep showing up. We say that a lot in this podcast, but it's so true. As simple as it is just showing up for 30 minutes a day or even less, like whatever you have is going to add up. It's going to create that compounding effect. So I hope that you found this helpful. Go send me a DM on Instagram. If you took a listen, it's at jessicacross.co. I'd love to chat more about it and see what kind of plans that you're cleaning up for your business. I hope that you found this helpful, informative, and really filled your cup as much as it did for me today. So have a beautiful day. Keep showing up. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Off the Mat podcast. And give yourself some gratitude for taking action in your wellness business journey. Please share this episode with someone you know who could use a fresh dose of inspiration. And we'd be thrilled if you would rate, review, and subscribe to Marketing Off The Mat on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to share an idea with Jessica? DM her at jessicacross.co on Instagram to continue the conversation or find out how she can help you take the next right step in your business. Until next time, stay inspired and keep showing up.